This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky. As always, I'm joined by Nick Horwat, and we know we gave you a little bit of a shorter episode on Monday, so we're going to make up for that on this Thursday episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We're talking Penn's preview of all the weekend's games. The Penguins have three games in the next four days, lots of hockey before Another random Monday to Wednesday off for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So short spurts between having games and not having games here in late February. We'll preview all the games for this weekend. We're going to actually talk around the league because we've been basically hammered down, nose to the grindstone on the Pittsburgh Penguins train. This entire season, we haven't lifted our heads up to talk about the rest of the National Hockey League. So we're going to do that in this episode and then we'll finish it off as we always finish off our Thursday episodes with shout-outs and call-outs. That's the show rundown. I'm Nick Berlansky. That's Nick Horwat. Horwat, we got three games in four days. Which one are you most looking forward to? The three games in four days. What do we have coming up? I have not pulled up the schedule because I'm behind. <laughs> and I'm trying to get over the fact that concerts keep getting announced. I have concerts coming up. Uh, Metallica got announced this morning. Yeah. Big shouts. Don't know if I'm going to see that one yet. I'm just trying to fill time while I pull up the schedule because, you know, I'm a little slow sometimes. Anyway, so we have the Devils today, the Rangers, and then the Jackets. Ooh. You know what? The Rangers. We haven't seen them in a while. Yeah. I haven't seen them in a while. They're shockingly, I guess not shockingly, but kind of a surprising great team this year when it comes to their standings position. They, they've been in the top two of the Metro for a long time. They were the te- one of the teams that we had to jump. Um so I would give that I would give the nod to them as the one I'm most intrigued by. Oh, and it's a 3 p.m. afternoon game. Oh, aren't those just the best? I, although I will be out of work pretty much the entire game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's in between shifts for me. You love to there see. There you go. That. Well, I was gonna let you go and do your thing, but all three of those games are in the rundown. Um, <laughs> but let's first preview the Pittsburgh Penguins taking on the New Jersey Devils. That is tonight's matchup. The last matchup between these two teams this season. Currently, the Penguins lead the season series two games to one. Obviously, the Devils have had a really rough season injury-wise, COVID-wise, performance-wise. They've just kind of been all over the place. But they do have a win over the Pittsburgh Penguins. And that win was at PPG Paints Arena. So they do have a little bit going for them coming into this matchup. When you look at it, obviously the biggest news on either side tonight is going to be the return of Dougie Hamilton. He's one of the best defensive players in the National Hockey League. I should say one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League, not necessarily all defensive player, but him coming back is huge for the Devils. He adds another layer to their defense, and also he adds another layer to their offensive attack. So Horwat, what do you think of Dougie Hamilton's return? And then overall, what do you think of this matchup tonight, Penguins versus Devils? Dougie Hamilton's such a weird player to me because you see the name and you you hear about the name all the time and you tack on the fact that there's always uh, his big contract discussions. But if he's so good and so great, why has he been moved so many times? Again, I'm not saying he's not phenomenal. I'm not. I'm, he's a great player. But the greatest of players don't get moved. How many, how many teams has he been on? Four? Four or five? Uh, yeah, I don't know the exact number. 
You forget he played on Boston? You forget he played on Calgary? It's it's always just a matter of where is Dougie Hamilton now? He is one of the top defensemen in the league, but there's always something missing there. So I would like to say maybe he's one of the most underappreciated defensemen in the league just because he's been moved so often. Mm -hmm. For what it's worth, he should probably still be on the Bruins. Don't you think? I I think when they had to make a decision, and I also think that Dougie Hamilton was a late bloomer. I I think he really came into his own in Carolina, which is his last stop, which he he cashed himself out of there. That's why he, he didn't stay there. They couldn't afford to keep him. But I think when Boston had him, they had to make a choice to commit to him or to commit to, they still had Zeno Charo. They weren't going to get rid of him. They committed to Tori Krug, and that was also very young Charlie McAvoy. So I feel like they looked at it, and they said, if we're going to have to get rid of somebody, they got rid of him. And, and honestly, now, obviously, he is the probably the best defensive player of those four. Charlie McAvoy's right up there with him. But it was a tough decision, I, I think, for Boston. I know we're getting a little sidetracked here, but talking about Dougie Hamilton, he's a guy that really did come into his own the last couple of seasons with Carolina. And in this first year with New Jersey, obviously he got the big payday. He hasn't really lived up to it as of yet, but he's also been injured a lot this season. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out there. He's going to make an impact in tonight's game. He's going to make an impact in most games he plays in. And that's why he gets paid the big bucks. And I'm excited to watch him tonight because this Devils team has has a lot of really talented players on it. I mean, obviously Dougie Hamilton, I'm a big fan of Ryan Graves. And then you look at their two stars who both scored on the Pittsburgh Penguins when these two teams met just 11 days ago on the 13th. The Penguins won that matchup 4-2 at New Jersey at the Rock. And the two school scorers for the Devils, Nico Heeshier and Jack Hughes. And those are all the other guys that I'll be watching. They have a couple players that can steal the show, that can break a game. And that's going to be the danger for the Pittsburgh Penguins who defensively have not been at their best the last couple of games. They can turn it around here after a long extension. That would be good. And they have a nice little test tonight with Heeshier, Hughes, and of course, as we've talked about already, Dougie Hamilton. It'll be a test for Mm -hmm. sure. The Devils always play us... uh... We always struggle against the Devils, no matter the arena. We talk about the Rock as being a house of horrors, and it still kind of is. We had to fight and uh, crawl our way back into that Devils that game mm-hmm. on Super Bowl Sunday. But if you, if anyone can remember the mid two thousands pre uh, back to back cups, or the, I guess the early two thousands, then they owned us in our own building for a little while mm-hmm. too. They're a team that, no matter how good or bad that the Devils may be. They find a way to beat us, like the Flyers. No matter how good or bad that team is, that's always a good, hard-fought game. And for what it's worth with uh, Dougie Hamilton one more time, three years at each team. It's like he's it's it's his pa- it's his uh, pattern. Three years in Boston, three years in Calgary, three years in Carolina, and now he's in first of possibly three in New Jersey. How long he did signed he get? a long <laughs> he signed a long deal. So uh, I think it was an eight year, eight million or eight year, nine million or something like that deal for for Dougie Hamilton. I can't remember the specifics right now, but he's definitely signed for forever and ever, amen, as you like to say. Um, but looking at the rest of this team, obviously the Devils. They're not in playoff contention. If you're not in the playoffs right now in the East, you're really not in playoff contention. We'll talk about that in the next segment when we go around the league a little bit. But I think the biggest issue for them, they've had some guys come in and play well. 
Andreas Johnson is is okay. They had a really good rookie season this far by Dawson Mercer. I think he's really good for them. They have Ty Smith on the back end that's really good. But the big thing to me when I look at this team, goaltending and then the regression of two guys that were really good last season. Igor Sharangovich and Yanni Kuokinen. They have had really, really bad regressive seasons this year after being so good last year. Now they're young. They can bounce back. It's kind of the same thing we said about John Marino last season. But... I think them not playing to the standard that they set last year has been a big issue. And then, of course, the biggest issue of all, Mackenzie Blackwood has been injured when he's been healthy. He hasn't been the Mackenzie Blackwood that was expected of him. And also Jonathan Bernier, so their their failsafe, he's been out. And then, of course, they lost Scott Wedgwood to the Arizona Coyotes. Now, I don't know who we're going to see tonight. I really don't. I couldn't pinpoint. I haven't paid enough attention. I can't pinpoint who the Penguins are going to face when the New Jersey Devils skate out onto the ice, the last time they played on Super Bowl Sunday, it was John Gillies. And honestly, he played pretty well against the Penguins. It took until late for the Penguins to be able to break the wall that was John Gillies in that game. Now, is it going to be different because it's in Pittsburgh? Is it going to be different because it's the second time they've played him in 11 days? Do they know where they need to shoot? Yes, everything's always different. You can play two months apart and the book is still out. There's people, as soon as you've played them, in that, as long as it's the same season, you probably are going to have a better opportunity against them the next time around. So if John Gillies is indeed the guy in net, I'd be interested to see if he could follow up a really good performance on Super Bowl Sunday with one tonight on a random Thursday evening in February. Uh, shout out to the random Thursday evenings in yes. February. It's, yeah, John Gillies, both the goalies right now have not been phenomenal. I mean, Nico Dawes is an emergency call-up. Yeah, he's, so. a, he's a young kid, too. 21 got a lot of future ahead of him maybe this is just one of those weird gotta do what you gotta do situations whereas john gillies has been in for 12 games and is three and eight i mean the team in front of him hasn't helped him a lot but no you know they have not and that's part of it like the, the the devils in front of him have not helped him but we saw him against the penguins i mean maybe this is just the the thing the penguins do they make these no names not no names but they make these Mostly no-name goalies look like Vesna caliber guys. That's what they did the last time. So you hope you maybe you hope you get Nico Dawes just for something fresh, something new, and someone you know have a little more confidence and you can beat. But if we see John Gillies again, he's got confidence. He can think to himself, "I had a hell of a game against these guys last time. Didn't beat them, but played phenomenally. Do that again." Just a confidence builder, and being being a goalie is all about confidence and. Uh, your momentum. Now, if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, you have to look at this and say, I don't care who's in net. This is a non-playoff team. And honestly, with this game against the Devils and Sunday's game against the Blue Jackets, which we'll talk a little bit about uh, in a couple minutes here, those are two of the remaining 10 games against teams that are not in the playoff race. That is such a small amount. Like, you're going to be playing a lot of good teams. You need to pick up points against these teams that are not going to make the NHL postseason. And it starts tonight. You have this game, and like we mentioned, Sunday, you need to win those two games. And honestly, I do agree with you that what you said about 10 minutes ago, that the Rangers game is the one that I'm most looking forward to. I want to see how the Penguins match up with this New York Rangers team. 
But this is important here. Let's not overlook the fact that the Penguins do struggle against the Devils at times. They do struggle against the Blue Jackets at times. And they need these four points against these lesser teams. Because if they don't pick those up, that's when you start falling in the standings. That's when the Rangers will pass you. That's when the Capitals will pass you up. And it's just going to make life harder once you get into the NHL postseason. Which is coming up now in what? Two months from now? So everything is getting close. We are less than a month away from the trade deadline. We are two months to maybe nine weeks, you know, a little bit more away from the NHL postseason. It's time to start ramping up for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're in a decent spot right now, four and two since the All-Star break. Obviously, they've lost two straight to two very talented teams last week. I thought they played a really good game against Carolina. I know we talked about it on Monday's episode, but looking at them heading into this one, I really need to see their special teams shine, both in the penalty kill and on the power play. The power play was not just bad, it was noticeably, it, it was it was absent. It, literally, it looked like everybody's controllers were dead. They were not playing well, and that is an understatement. And then on the pe penalty kill, obviously, it's going to be rough without Teddy Bluger. Everybody has been posting percentages with and without Bluger for the penalty kill, and it has been much worse since Bluger went down with a broken jaw. Good news on that front, Teddy Bluger's skating again. He was skating with the team in a non-contact jersey. He has the protective face mask on. He's on his way back, but he's still probably going to be two weeks out. So you got to start to turn things around and get things ready for when he comes back into the lineup. You're not dropped to sixth, seventh in the league in penalty kill from where you were when he went out, which was first by a mile. So the penalty kill needs to be better. The power play has been rough and needs to turn it around again. And the big thing that I want to see tonight, I want to see those guys that were cold, stay hot for Erod, see if he can build off that goal from Sunday. And I just want any life from Kasperi Kapanen. Those are the, those are the three things I want. I want special teams. I want Erod to build off of what he had. And I don't even need a point from Kasperi Kapanen. I just need to see that he is a half-decent NHL player in this game. I just want to see some sign of life from 42. That's all I need. The three certainties in life. Death, taxes, and the tip of the iceberg crew talking about how bad it's very capping. <laughs> Honestly, being. that's how it's been this season, though. And that's, I literally, I don't need a goal. I don't need an assist. I don't need a crazy hit. I need you to show any sign of life. If you forecheck 10%, I'll be like, hey, he finally got his head out of his ass just a little bit to be able to get into this game at least a modicum of an amount. We'll have to wait and see for that one, man. I don't know. I don't have I don't have my own confidence in him yeah. anymore. Let's just be honest with ourselves. It's not, like I said, it's it's an episode certainty. Everyone got their bingo cards out. It's your free space. <laughs> it Sorry. really is. Us criticizing Kapanen this season. We all have been all year. Not even all year. I think it took it took until the ten games in for us to really realize he's not doing anything. But this isn't ideal, and we gave him. You know, with the benefit of the doubt at the start. Ah, he doesn't have his line mate with him. He just, it, the pressure's a little much to start the season. Like, he was supposed to be the guy. Mm. Now we're over halfway through the season. We're, the benefit of the doubt is long gone. We've agreed to that. It is now just a matter of figuring it out. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to put it with him. Yeah, we used many, many excuses for Kasperi Kapanen throughout this season. It started off with, okay, it's just a slow start. He'll bounce around. And then once it extended a little later in the season, it was, hey, maybe once Malkin comes back, he'll turn it around. He'll get he'll get right. Malkin came back and it was, you know, 
last week on this episode, or on last week's episode on Thursday, we both said it, and I led the discussion, and you followed suit. We're done. And that's right where I'm at right now. I'm done with Kasperi Kapanen. Show me some sort of life tonight. That's how low the bar is for that I have set for Kasperi Kapanen's performance. But let's bounce back to one thing really quickly before we talk about the Rangers and Blue Jackets games. Finishing this one off for tonight against the Devils. Can Erod build off a late goal from Sunday? I do want to get your opinion on that. Do you think that's something that will turn his season back into the trajectory that we were looking at early on? It's hard to say because he was hitting that trajectory because it was his confidence. Mm -hmm. Maybe he needed that goal to boost his confidence back up again, and he can get there, uh, which I would love to see. But there's also this that point of that point that we are making all season. This is still a, this, this is still Evan Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. The regression to the mean is inevitable. It's just a matter of when it happens. Maybe it already happened. Maybe this is part of the mean. But I think at the, for how little we've gotten out of him recently, we'll take the mean. Yeah. So ideally yes you want him you want that goal to lead into his uh recapturing of confidence and growth from there mm -hmm. i just i personally just don't see it i think we're gonna just be hitting his regression to the meme mean now regression to the meme he was a meme so i think we're just gonna see his mean now and it's his average so it won't be ideal for what we saw at the beginning of the year, but it's the kind of player he is. Mm -hmm. And you know what? If he can even be just a little above average, above his average, and be in the bottom six, I'll take mm -hmm. it. He's proven to, he's proven himself to be worthy of this lineup. I In every lineup prediction I sent you and Doug at the beginning of the season, or before the season, he was not anywhere near my yeah. lineup in any of them, except for like maybe the first one because of injuries. I didn't, I didn't peg him to be in this lineup. Then he goes off and gets a career high in points in the first half of the season. And I said, okay, second line, perfectly fine by me because he's proving to do it. He's playing with all of the confidence in the yeah. world. And it's just been a regression to nothing. Mm -hmm. So unless he can build on it, I'm going to be wanting him. I'll be talking to him the same way that I'm talking about Kasperi Kapanen. Mm -hmm. Get him off my lineup. Yeah, when I look at Evan Rodriguez, obviously he had that regression. He had that cold streak. The way he scored on Sunday, though, in the game that he scored it in and the life that he breathed back into the team and the arena, I have to feel like something's coming. And I, I might be way off base here, but I really think that his reaction, the way he scored the goal, he just blew it past Antiranta with a beautiful clap bomb from the point, something that he was doing all early in the beginning of the season. Maybe that gives him his confidence. And also, I do like the move by Mike Sullivan to be like, hey, Listen, we know you're struggling. You are the third-line general. You're the third-line center. Putting him at center and moving Carter up to Malkin's wing, I liked that move, and I hope they stick with that in this game tonight against the New Jersey Devils, and I think Evan Rodriguez can build off of that, and I'm just hoping that Kapanen doesn't anchor him down on that line. <laughs> we'll have to see. The lines, it was just a uh, an optional skate this morning, so we don't have line rushes or yeah. anything. Um, and for what it's worth from that practice as well, uh, it was an extremely optional practice, but Bluger wasn't a regular jersey, so anything could happen tonight. He was in a yeah, he was in a regular jersey in an optional morning skate. Let's just say yeah, that exactly. his no-contact jersey just smelt a little too bad from yesterday's practice. That's that's basically what I'm I'm holding that to. I don't think he's actually going to practice full contact. I'll be sure to I'll be sure to check Twitter before we're yes, done. Yes, definitely here. keep keep an eye on that. That is uh that is, that is the the power dynamic here on tip of the iceberg. We got our. Uh, 
our social media specialist, Nick Horwat, on the case while I run through all these random notes that I've, for some reason, written down. But let's move over to the uh, quick previews of this weekend slate. Obviously, a Saturday and Sunday back-to-back. We expect to see Casey DeSmith, I would say, on Sunday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. I would think Tristan Jari gets to start tonight against the Devils. Also, let me know if they post that on uh, social media before we're finished here. But I would think that Jari starts against the Devils, and he also starts against the New York Rangers. You can't start... Casey to Smith against the Rangers at this point in the season. So I would imagine Tristan no. Jari gets that start. It'll be the first matchup between the Penguins and the Broadway Blue Shirts on the year. There's few teams, in my opinion, that can match the top-end talent of the Pittsburgh Penguins when we're talking about Brian Russ, Jake Gensel, Crosby, Malkin, those guys. But when I look at the Rangers, they match right along with it. Obviously, you have Panarin. You have your Zibanejad. You have a guy like Strom that's really good. And then on the defensive side, you have... Adam Fox and Chris Letang going head-to-head. I think that that team, top-end talent-wise, can go you know, tit-for-tat with the Pittsburgh Penguins, where I think the Penguins will have the advantage in this one and will, if they do indeed, end up playing a playoff series this year, which I honestly predict at this point of the season. I think that's going to be the Penguins' first-round matchup against the Rangers. Where the Penguins have the advantage is the depth scoring. Now, will they take advantage of it? That's another question for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They have better depth and they have more weapons in the depth of their lineup. We talked about Evan Rodriguez. We talked about that little shoe in the corner that is Kasperi Kapanen at this point. But can they outperform the Rangers' bottom six? That's where this game could be won. And that's where I think the Penguins have the advantage. Shall they choose to actually take advantage of it? Yeah, that's totally fair. The Rangers are a top-heavy team, but they're also one of those teams that will. Ju- it's always just the Rangers that randomly pop off mm-hmm. for eight for an eight-goal game yeah. or Zabenajad scored five. Mm-hmm. It's always just yeah. them. No one else has those random. Hey, the the Red Wings scored nine last night against. Uh, give me another. The Oilers. I don't know. Or oh, McDavid and Drysdale aren't letting their team give up nine. Their goalies might, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Um. You don't hear about teams like... Other than Colorado is the only other one I can think of, and that's because they're a super team. Yeah, but you don't think of the Wild and all... You hear the report, they scored eight goals against, I don't know, the Blues. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen. It's always the Rangers scoring nine, and Zibanejad had six of them. Like, So they're one of those teams you have to watch out for, regardless of what their bottom six is doing. Because their top six is just that weird and lucky uh, i don't want to say lucky. i don't want to say it, lucky because they're skilled yeah. players i'm gonna just call it enigma they're an enigma it's a good word for it i like it um speaking of enigmas two enigmas on their team are capo caco and alexi lafreniere who knows what they're doing with them I, I i think if you ask new york rangers fans they're okay with the performance they'd expect a little bit more especially from a number one overall selection in lafreniere but they still have that talent they can still you know, go out there and change the, the impact of a game. And, and we've seen it with Kako. Kako has taken out the Pittsburgh Penguins on a couple of occasions. And Lafreniere hasn't yet, but we'll have to see if he's able to. The one big thing for the New York Rangers that this is the first time we've played them, but it doesn't matter when the Penguins would have played the New York Rangers. The biggest storyline for the Rangers is always going to be Igor Shesterkin this year. The guy is the leader in the clubhouse for Vezina, and honestly, he's starting to get into Hart Trophy talks. I think this guy has been so good this year, and we saw him almost score a goal last weekend against the Ottawa Senators, a goalie goal in the empty net. 
He's having fun. He's playing loose and he is playing dominant. It's almost unfair that the Rangers went from Henrik Lundqvist and nobody around him to a really good team with one of the best, if not the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League. Lundqvist is probably sitting there like, why did I never have the support system that Igor currently has? That's what scares me a little bit about the Rangers. They basically have Hank Jr., but now they actually have a team in front of them. Exactly. Remember whenever they were building this team in front of them, they had two goalies? Yeah, well, Georgiev is still there. (laughs) He's still there and probably still very good, but we're talking Vesna caliber stuff from Shesterkin? Mm -hmm. Yes. I just don't want to fumble the names. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. What are they doing? What is in the water in New York, aside from many things? Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's, it's, they're a dangerous Mm -hmm. team. And it's fine, it's they're finally here. Remember the world's shortest rebuild? Yeah. Hey, we're rebuilding, guys, the very next week. And we're done with our rebuild. The re- I mean, the last couple seasons may have left a little bit to be desired because of all the skill and talent that they have on their team. But this is their blossomed yeah. year. They are here. Maybe maybe it's not their year, their year, but this is their building year. Think of it as the Penguins 2008. This is their building year. Be scared next year. For yeah, sure. This is definitely their coming out party this season. And I, I think everybody around the league is taking notice. How can you not when they're in the biggest market in the United States? But looking at them, looking at the way that they're built, looking at the moves that general manager Chris Drury made over the offseason, he basically got playoff pieces before they became a playoff team. That is confidence in your team that we don't normally see from a general manager that outright. So the adding of, you know, a Ryan Reeves, a Sammy Blay, uh, I don't like the Pavel Buchnevich for Sammy Blay trade because Buchnevich has been so good for the Blues. But still, if you're the Rangers, you look at it and you say, that's fine. Like, we have skill to spare. That's all right. I know Sammy Blay is, I think he's hurt or has been hurt or was hurt at some point. But either way, that team is built for the playoffs. And it's going to be interesting because I do believe that it's going to be Penguins Rangers round one. I really think that that's going to be it. And it's going to be a two versus three. The even the even wilder part of the Rangers season this year is the fact that they, we, we were talking about the Rangers like they were a gong show at the end of last year, firing everybody. Yeah. The whole Tom Wilson situation, bringing in Ryan Reeves. We didn't, I don't know if we expect them to be good, mm-hmm. but we sure as hell didn't expect them to be this good because of how we were looking at them as scared of the Capitals. The big Jim Rutherford energy was it was coming out of that mm-hmm. team. It wasn't ideal. We, I mean, we backed them up on a lot of things. Like, yes, you know, talk against the league and what they're doing with Tom Wilson in that situation. You know, have your fight against that. Build build up um, a little bit of a protection for Artemi Panarin because mm-hmm. you should have a little protection. Ryan Reeves. Oh, well, that's a guy. And then, but the, it was the firing of everybody that made us question things. Yeah. They, we were talking about them like not. A, I guess "gong show" is a harsh word for it, but we were questioning what was going on there. And all of a sudden, they figured it out. Whatever they did, whatever their formula was, worked. Yeah. It is working. Yeah. So, like I said, it might not be their year, but it is their coming out party, like you said. Mm-hmm. So. Scare, be scared of them next year for damn yeah, sure. They needed to go to another level, and the firing of. Jeff Gordon and also head coach, was it David Quinn? Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn? Dan Quinn's the football coach. David Quinn was the hockey coach. That's right. Um, and then hiring in Gerard Gallant, which was just 
you know, chef's kiss of coaching hires. Uh, they've done a really good job. So we'll see what happens in that first matchup on Saturday. They have, I believe, three or four matchups the rest of the season. So you're going to be seeing a lot of, I believe it's three, you're going to be seeing a lot of the Penguins taking on the New York Rangers here in the next month and a half. But Sunday, we're not going to talk too long about this game. Penguins at the Blue Jackets. It's a prime Casey to Smith game. We'll see if he continues, you know, taking it one game at a time. See what he does with that, honestly. We'll talk about potential trade pieces next week because we're getting closer and closer to the trade deadline. This is a game that Casey DeSmith needs to come out and prove, hey, you don't need to trade assets to bring in a backup goalie. I can get the job done. We'll see if he can do it on Sunday at 6 p.m. I will not be watching that game live. I'll be watching it on replay later in the night because I'm going to see Uncharted at 6 p.m. on Sunday. I'm excited. I'm a big uh, big Tom Holland guy, and how can you not love Marky Mark? But uh, this game should be pretty interesting. Second matchup between the two Last time they faced off was in Columbus. Crosby had a hat trick, and uh, the Penguins won by a score of five to two. Yeah, yeah, that should that should be a fun game mm-hmm. too. Just because it's in Columbus, it right? is in Columbus. Ah, the cannons. Yes. Not too many words need to be said about Columbus this year, right? Yeah. Where are they? Just middling. No, they're they've dropped off a little bit. I think I'm not exactly sure where they're at. I think they're actually the last team out right now of the playoff race. Fifth in the Metro. Yeah, fifth in the Metro. So there's, again, a clear dichotomy in, in the East and in the Metro between the top teams and the bottom teams. And, and the Blue Jackets are the best of the bottom, I guess, is what you can say about them. They do have talent. Patrick Laine is kind of kind of resurfaced as, as a goal scorer this year. Max Domi's still over there. He scored a goal against the Penguins the last time around. So we'll see what happens with that again. All three of these games, Metropolitan Division matchups, it could be closer than expected, but when you're playing two teams that really don't have playoff aspirations and the Devils tonight and the Blue Jackets on Sunday, you have to pick up all four of those points. It doesn't matter if they come in overtime or a shootout, but you got to go four for four in those games and then try your hardest and hope to go out there and have a really good performance against a good team in the Rangers on Saturday. Yeah, when it comes to the Blue Jackets, they're a team that... They have a lot of one-goal, two-goal victories, mm-hmm. but a ton of three- to four-goal losses. Yeah. They're, they've got their wins, but they're small wins, and they've got their losses, and they're huge losses. Yeah. So, I don't know. Looking at their little red and green line here, it's 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 wild. Yeah, yeah it's, they're definitely the basic example of a bad team that has overperformed at times. That, that's yes. that's yeah. how I that's how I look at, at the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's totally so. fair. Boone Jenner's their captain. I forgot about that. Yeah, they did make Boone their captain. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, let's go around the league a little bit, give our opinions about yeah, the Western Conference, the Atlantic Division. We'll talk all of that after the break. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team in the association and get $150 in free bets if they win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
Must be 21 or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. And in New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We obviously previewed all three games in the next four days for the Pittsburgh Penguins in segment number one. We hope you enjoyed that preview, and we didn't really give our predictions. I would say the Penguins go 3-0 this weekend. Let, let's let's stay positive. Penguins go 3-0 this weekend, including a nice 4-1 to win over the New York Rangers on Saturday. That's what I'm saying about it. I like it. I like I like the idea of three and zero as well. Uh, I'm just gonna say two and two zero oh and one, just to be a little different okay. and a little more realistic, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. The Rangers are damn good. That 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 game against the Rangers could also swing the standings. Yeah. So it'll be an important yeah, it's game. Four point night or afternoon in that one. But let's talk around the league. Let's start out west because that's really the least we talk about in this in this podcast. We really don't talk about the Western Conference all that much. So Horwat, let me ask you this question. Obviously, there's two key, like clear favorites in the Western Conference. Who is your favorite in the Western Conference right now? Man, it's so hard because the two teams that I, at least I have in mind just they're they're two teams that can never seem to get it done and get over the mm-hmm. hump. But I gotta go with a coin flip and say the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche. Colorado Avalanche are your favorite. Obviously, the leader in the clubhouse right now for the President's Trophy and just just a super team at points. Yeah, and I say they're unable to get over the hump a lot of times because if you like their last few playoff seasons just speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. They're not prone to falling apart, but they're prone to falling apart. And this is a team that this year, maybe finally it's their year. As we discussed the Rangers, that their coming out party is this year. Maybe the Avalanche's coming out party was last year, the year before. And this is finally their year and year to be feared. That's the thing, though. They're not really feared because of their playoff collapses, mm-hmm. I guess. It's, I don't know, but I just like what that team is bringing to the table they've been a fearsome team for so long they've been predicted to be the team of the league for quite a few years now that eventually that dam's got a break there i was flip-flopping between them and the calgary flames because there is no stopping or i guess he's the one stopping jacob markstrom right now again what happened to him in like what one month in february what happened in december he just didn't play yeah he really had a uh, he went off a ledge for somewhere reason in his performance and then out of nowhere he's like oh that's right i was the best goaltender in the league early in the season let's just do that again oh wait they didn't play in like all of yeah but he didn't maybe that's why we didn't notice him. they didn't play in almost all of. but december. he also struggled for for a period there as well i guess but regardless that's the flames being the flames and they're back on top and Barsham's another guy that he keeps this pace up. My God, that's a Vesna unanimous decision. I mean, what, 10 shutouts? Eight shutouts, yeah. sorry. 
a 23-10-5 record with a 9.28 goal or uh, save percent save percentage, and then a 2.06 goals against average. That is low. Yes. I would. That dude's gonna win. No, that if they, if they do anything big, no, if there's listen, if if not for Igor Shosturkin, then yes, Markstrom. I think he'll finish in the top three. But I don't think anybody is coming close to Igor Shosturkin unless he melts down in the last month and a half of the season. You never know. So it, he's thirty-two. Huh. Yeah, Mark, Marky's but, a little bit older. I think that's that's the that's those are the teams I was flip-flopping between though. The, the Avs and the Avalanche and the Flames. It's I have no I have no hope for the for the Knights as much as they want to believe there wow, is really? and how much they're going to try and do the as much as uh, they're going to try and do the LTIR yeah. thing. Nah, that's nah, my favorite. Man. Not going to work. That is my favorite in the no, Western Conference. I like the Vegas Golden Knights. Listen, I'm all in on Vegas right now because. Yeah, they're doing the LTIR thing, which is, is kind of stupid, especially considering the fact that your three top stars have never played in one game all together. That is Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, and Jack Eichel. But once they get them all on the ice, that is such a talented lineup. Now, Eichel is, is played in three games since returning from artificial disc replacement surgery. He has three points in three games. And that's after a huge neck surgery and also playing on a brand new team with two line mates that he's never even stepped foot on the ice with an NHL competition before. I like the Vegas Golden Knights. The big question mark to me with them is their goaltending. Can Robin Leonard be the guy to backstop a team the whole way there? But also because their defense hasn't been healthy all year. You get guys like Alec Martinez back in the lineup. You get guys like Shea Theodore back in the lineup with Zach Whitecloud and Alex Petrangelo. I like their defense. I think it was... A fluke that the Montreal Canadiens were able to take down the Knights. Their problem in the playoffs has always been their scoring and their top-end scoring. That's going to be very different with Jack Eichel in the lineup. And the fact that their Golden Misfits line might be their third line with Riley Smith, William Carlson, and Jonathan Marcheseau, who was an all-star this year. I really like the Vegas Golden Knights this year. They've been close but not being able to get over the hump in years past, other than that, obviously, that first year in Cinderella story. But I think this is the year, especially with playoff Jack Eichel, that the Vegas Golden Knights, I'm all in on them in the Western Conference. I think it's hard to beat the Avs. I think that's the matchup we want to see for the second straight year. But if anybody's going to do it, I think it's the Knights. You say playoff Jack Eichel like we know what that person is. I expect it to be amazing. I I would too. Mm -hmm. But we've seen strange things. We didn't know what playoff Uh, Matt Stafford really was. And guess what? He has a Super Bowl ring and is probably still hungover from two weeks ago. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I really like that. But let's move over to uh, to Dark Horse. And I'll throw the standings up here uh, for everybody that's watching on if we post this anywhere. Um, but who is your Dark Horse in the West right now? I had, listen, I had Winnipeg and I stuck with them all year. I would still think if they get in that they'd be a t- difficult team to beat, but they're just, they're not there this year. I, I think I'm finally giving up on the Winnipeg Jets this year. They're they're below even the Vancouver Canucks at this point. I don't know what happened, but they're no longer my dark horse. I think I lost that one. Yeah, that one's a hard one to come back from. It, I don't know what happened to them either because they seemed like one of the hottest teams in the league and they seemed like they could really do make some noise. As for a dark horse, it's so hard because I'm not a huge fan of many of these teams i like that the kings are back into a playoff spot i just don't know if they can really hold on to it the oilers are still coasting around somehow um 
But if I had to pick a dark horse just as I look at it, saying the Blues is a bit of a cop-out because they are a good team with some shockingly good goaltending this year from Ville Husso. Um, and so that's not too much of a dark horse, plus they're always a good team. I'm just going to say the Kings, just because they might be able to hold on. I think Edmonton falls off. I bet they slip out of the playoff spot, honestly. Um, but I think the Kings could make some noise. They're not a team that's built for the playoffs yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at that roster, Jonathan Quick, Drew Doughty, Anze Kopitar, all with big-time, long-time playoff experience. Um, and they've been building back the right way. Yeah. They've been doing it the right way. Got, I mean, yeah. well, that's a lot of money in one Doughty contract, but got to have that uh, that abs- absurdity somewhere, I guess. Yeah, when you look at their team, obviously, for a long time, they have had the best prospect system in the National Hockey League. And now you're starting to see their stars come up. Obviously, Byfield is healthy again, and he's playing pretty good hockey. Kaliev has been really good all year long. Eventually, Turcotte will join them. Sean Dersey's been pretty good for them. What I like is what you mentioned there. They do, even though this is a very young team, they have a lot of experience as well. You talked about the guys that have won Cups at LA, but you don't talk about the two guys that they added and went to Stanley Cup Finals now in losing efforts. Yep. But Victor Arvidsson was with Nashville in 2017, and Philip Deneau was with Montreal last season. So they have a lot of playoff experience. It's a team that it's not going to be dispatched of easily come the playoffs. I mean, it's a surprise to me that they're there, but they're not going to be easily... I mean, it's not going to be a four-game sweep of the LA Kings, in my opinion, even though right now they'd be facing my Vegas Golden Knights. I think it would be a difficult decision there. Um, I have two dark horses. One of them, I guess you can't call them a dark horse anymore because they're in first place in the Pacific, and you talked about them already. I like the Flames. I love the addition of Tyler Toffoli. I think that's what they need, a little bit more of a scoring punch. They're on a 10-game win streak. They're first in the Pacific. Markstrom... Talk about guys that can steal a series. We already said that he's going to be top three in Vezina voting, so I like him. I also really like the Minnesota Wild as a dark horse. I feel like they've been a really good team all year long, yet they've never really gotten the respect of the national media. When I look at the Wild, I'm not sold on them yet because I want to see what they do at the trade deadline. I want to see what they add. Do they finally go after the vaunted center position that has always been the issue for the Minnesota Wild, do they go for that? Or do they say, you know what, we like what we have and we're going to add little pieces here and there. I'm intrigued to see what they do at the deadline, but I really like the Minnesota Wild heading into the postseason. It's a good choice, too. I just they they just seem like the team that's too young to do it still. Mm. Just not yet. Kind of kind of Rangers, year after that email was sent. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Where they're still getting that building, and they still have the pieces, and will have the pieces. How long did Kaprizov sign for again? Uh, five years, I think. Okay, so they will have the pieces in a couple of years still. It's just a matter of putting it all together at once. I, the goaltending, I still... I, I can never get myself to put my trust into Cam Talbot. Or Capo Kakinen? I like Kakinen more than I like Talbot. I know Talbot's the all-star, but... I was about to say, he's the all-star. Who do the, who does the team like more right nah. now? Like, yes, I would like Hackenden more too. It's just a matter of, is does the team like him more mm-hmm. right now? Yeah, no, I, I, I do really like, and I think, I love Kaprizov. I, I, since he took the league, I, I've been a big fan. But I really like seeing uh, Matthew Boldy, some American-born blood in there, having a really good start to his rookie season. Yeah, I mean, 16 points in 17 games for Boldy. That dude's, he's been having a ton of fun too, so... 
Um, Kaprizov, 62 points in 47. Games. My God. <laughs> he's he's a cheat code. God. Yeah. Dang. Zuccarello, Fiala. This is a good team. It's just a matter of it coming together, and I just don't know if it'll be this yeah. year. It, it's hard to put your faith into a team that hasn't done it before, but if I'm going to put my faith in a team that hasn't done it before, I'm going with the with the Wild, honestly, in the West. It, like, you have the, the, the big guns in Vegas and Colorado, and Calgary is now putting their hat in the ring, but Calgary, it's not that they haven't done it. It's that they've failed so many times once they got into the playoffs that I don't know if I can trust them. I think they're a dark horse pick. I think they're going to be a tough team to take out, but if I'm picking a team that hasn't done it before, I'm picking the Minnesota Wild. That's a fair That's a fair pick, too. Let's move over to the East, then. Uh, look at the Atlantic Division, because, of course, we've talked Metro Division ad nauseum because the Pittsburgh Penguins is are residing currently in second place in the Metro. But let's look at the Atlantic. Now, the Bruins, I feel like they can play spoiler. Right now, they're sitting in the second wild card spot. A lot of people are having that same reaction that you just had and are laughing at them. But honestly... They figured out the Rask situation. It's over. He's retired. They're not waiting on his return anymore. I think that this is a team in the first round of the playoffs. I don't think by any chance of the word that this is a Stanley Cup contender. But I think that the Boston Bruins are a team that can surprise many, many people in the first round of the playoffs. It's going to be tough if they draw Florida or Toronto or, or Tampa, I should say. But if they draw Florida, I definitely can see, which is right now what it would be, I believe. I definitely see the Boston Bruins surprising the Florida Panthers. That's that's totally fair. Given, like, we always talk about playoff experience and having done it before and just Boston being Boston. Mm-hmm. Playoff Boston is not fun. Regular season Boston isn't fun, but try playoff Boston. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. And I think as we look at the – as we look at these standings – the teams in in the playoff positions right now are going to be the teams in the playoffs. Yes. I think we can all agree on that. So there's not too many dark horses to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The dark horses here are who puts on the show in the postseason. I like that Boston answer. As much as I don't like Boston, they're the team that just it you they don't have a they don't have a seed in the playoffs. They're just Boston. Yeah. You don't look at their seed and say, well, they're this bad this year or they're this good this year. No, they're the Boston Bruins in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. They will play their game. If I was to pick a dark horse to go far, though, ironically, I'm taking Florida. Yeah. I'm going to take Florida. I don't don't know why. It's just they've shocked the world, and why not continue that for at least two rounds? Yeah, the Florida. there's people that think the Florida Panthers are built to win a Stanley Cup. And honestly, when I look at it, I don't think it's ridiculous. But, oh. That is the When did Sergei Bavrovsky go 26, 5, and yeah, 3? It is a very difficult conference. You look all around, I think the weak teams the weakest team in this conf, in this conference right now in the playoff picture, and this is not by any means because I'm a Penguins backer, is the Washington Capitals. They have the most holes. They're they're the least lethal team, in my opinion, in this conference. And I have the least faith that they'll make it past the first round. I think I still have a bet with Hockey Troll. We'll have to get together. I think I still have the same bet as last year that I won because the Penguins went further. So I'm very confident in that bet. I think the Penguins have what it takes to potentially win a playoff series. I don't think the Capitals really... I mean, they could surprise everybody because they have Ovi and they could get a hot goaltender in Samsonov. Mm-hmm. But I don't like the and the Capitals. And I know we're not talking about the Metro. We're still on the uh, the Atlantic division, but... When I look at this playoff picture, the Capitals, to me, are the weak seed in the top eight. 
I think so too. I think so too. I because I went off on what I thought of Boston. They just don't have a seed. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at everyone else. Well, Toronto will always have their struggles and their doubters and everything that comes with them. I don't know. I, they just seem stronger than Washington, mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. If Toronto, Tampa, you can, Tampa, you can never bet against. Yeah. Two-time, you know, back-to-back cup winners. Florida, I just said, the dark horse. And then you look at the rest of the top three in the Metro. Carolina's killing yeah. it. Pittsburgh is definitely stronger. And the Rangers might pull that one off. So, yeah, I think when you look at everything else, Washington is the weakest link. You mentioned Toronto there, and I want to get into them a little bit more because we always make jo- jokes at the expense of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Who does it? Yes. My question to you is, could this finally be the year that the Leafs win a playoff series do you think that they get through or do you think it's another heartbreak in the first round for them as of right now obviously we're answering these questions in february but right we are answering these questions in february but i my answer still would land on it depends who they play Mm. but if i just had to take the guess now and i'm looking at the computer and kind of analyzing who just just the rest of the teams in the division the playoff race here I would say most likely they have a shot. Mm. I'm not saying they'd go too much further after the first round because I just there's such a roller coaster ride of a team this mm. year. They have their hot streaks and then they lose to Montreal, yeah. or they lose to Columbus mm. and they lose to they're losing to they lost to the uh, to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. So yeah. it's. That team is still questionable, mm-hmm. but I think maybe it's just time. Again, it would depend who they play. They would have to play Washington or maybe the Rangers. Which is not going to... They're, they're not going to end up pay, playing the Rangers. I Maybe Carol, them and Carolina would be fun. It's well, hard. It is hard. How about hard. this? They're lined up right now against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Would you have any hope for the, the Leafs to beat the Lightning? That's... Uh, <laughs> You're just watching two teams with the same jersey play against each other. Um, you know what? I don't think. Because just because you can't doubt the Lightning. Mm-hmm. Is the Lightning... The Lightning weren't the top team in the East last year, were they? No. No, the Florida Panthers won that division. Okay. Yeah, you can't. You just can't count out the Lightning. So in the Central. Maybe the, maybe the Leafs don't make it past the first round this year again. Hey, I think, honestly, if they're going to do it, it's this year. Now, the question to me, it's not even the goaltending. I like Jack Campbell, and I think he's going to be able to be much better than what we saw from Freddie Anderson his entire stint in Toronto. I think Jack Campbell is much more confident in his abilities, and I also i am more confident in Jack Campbell's abilities for the Toronto Maple Leafs. My biggest question is Mitch Marner. If Mitch Marner doesn't fall off the face of the earth, I give them a fighter's chance against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, do I think they're the favorite? No. Do I Would I pick them to win that series? No, I'm not crazy. But I give them a fighter's chance. I give them a puncher's chance. I think they can give it the old college try and have an opportunity to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round of the playoffs. What Again, would I put my money on it? No. Would I bet on them? No. Would I ever even pick them in a random pick them that we always do? No, I wouldn't do that. But would I give them a shot? Potentially. Big sigh. Now that, now that Big sigh from Worldwide. <laughs> now that I'm just looking at it, you're 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 hearing me in real time immediately take back everything I said about the Leafs. <laughs> yeah. 
It's just, you can't get over that history. It's so hard to. It's like picking in that third straight year, it would be like picking the Washington Capitals against the Penguins. Yeah, they have the talent to do it, but it's just happened so many times in the wrong direction for them. Are they ever going to do it? And I think even more so a comparable there is if they're going to do it, it's going to be this year. In 2018, that was the feeling for the Capitals. If you're going to beat the Penguins in the playoffs, it's going to be this year. And this season, if Toronto's going to make it past the first round, it's going to be this year. You have to also hope that the guys in the room for the Leafs um, don't look at the playoffs as trying too hard. You you hope they don't sit there thinking to themselves, we have failed how many times in a row now? This you got to have the right mentality. You can't be thinking of the past when you go into that playoffs for them. Mm-hmm. You have to focus on what is this year and what is the next round mm-hmm. or what is the next game and then the next round. You worry about what you did in 2018, 2019, and the year 2022, you're not winning that round. Yeah. So you got to hope the guys in the room are ready to actually play for the games in front mm-hmm. of them. Let's finish this off matching up the Penguins against the Metro Division really quickly. I think the way the Metro is laid out right now is how I would rank these teams in a power ranking. Carolina, Pittsburgh, New York, then Washington. I think that is, like, obviously it's the standings right now, but I really think that that is the hierarchy of talent right now. I think the Carolina Hurricanes, I think the matchup is very even between the Penguins and the Hurricanes. I know our friend Hunter Hodes from Locked on Penguins has said, he said it on this show when he came on, he has said that, hey, that would be a hell of a playoff series that he is hoping for. I agree. I think the matchup is very even, but I do give a slight edge to the Hurricanes. When it comes to Penn's Rangers, I like the matchup for the Pittsburgh Penguins against the Rangers. I think they match up well with them. The one thing that worries me there, we talked about them already, Igor Shosturkin can steal a series. I have no reservations if the Penguins play the Washington Capitals. I think the Penguins will dispatch, could dispatch the Capitals in five or six games. I really don't think that that is a matchup that is anywhere close to being even between the Pens and the Caps. It's it's not 2009 anymore. It's not an equal battle. Mm-hmm. Well, we say that. I think it would still be a hard-fought series, and it would get catch the eyes because it always does. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> when I think, yeah, I think we could take care of them. Well, how have we played against them in the regular season? Because, again, they're one of those teams, no matter how good or bad, and the Washington Capitals have also always been good in these past 15, 16 years. It's always a hard-fought close mm-hmm. game. So I would assume maybe it's close. I'm not saying seven. I'm not going to say four or five. I'm not going to say six. I'm not going to give an answer on that. (laughs) Okay, I was like, process of elimination. (laughs) We're running out of potential outcomes here. Yeah, I just couldn't put put a number on that. But I could say I feel confident in Pittsburgh's abilities in that that one. Mm -hmm. We talked about 2018 already. Here's what I'll say to you uh, and then let you finish, obviously. Sorry for interrupting. 2018, Penguins-Flyers. Rivalry matchup. Some of those games were interesting. Penguins overall dominated. That's how I see a Penguins-Capital series going in 2022. I like that. Especially if home ice. We get Mm -hmm. the fans behind us in games one and two. Mm -hmm. Regardless if they are both wins or not, you have the fans there. You have the packed house. You have a, a playoff packed house that Penguins fans have not seen since 2019. 
No, I wouldn't even, I'd say 2018. Game three against the Islanders in 2019, did really? Did people really have all that much energy when they were down two to nothing? Good point. I mean, yeah, a playoff packed house because while it was, while the energy was good and a lot of fun last season, it wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. You could tell it wasn't. So having a sellout crowd for the, I mean, yeah, having a, having a crowd that is fully invested in game one of the postseason at PPG Paints Arena for the first time since 2018. 28, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Give me that. Give me that packed house. We need home ice now. Now we need home ice. Dear God, if we lose home ice, <laughs> I'm going to be so mad. But because I still look at this team as how everyone was saying not that long ago, the Penguins are a cup contender. They were saying that a few weeks ago last month. Mm-hmm. Sure, say that. I will refrain because, again, the damn postseason history with us. The last three years. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do we have the pieces to do it? Yes. Should Should we have been a cup contender last year? Maybe. That damn Tristan Jari. <laughs> I think you'll get me past the first round all aboard the cup contender wagon. Oh, I, I need that just to see what this podcast would look like. Oh, <laughs> a victory podcast <laughs> in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. We haven't done that since what we were three PT or whatever the fifth line. Oh, I don't want to get sued by the blue jackets. Um, so we're going to, we're going to call it on that one. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to finish off this show with our shout outs and call outs. Hockey fights, lifestyle and tales from a first round draft bust. We have it all and more on the hockey podcast network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities. Again, that's promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Well, we're finishing off Mr. Horwath, Season 3, Episode 41 of the Tip of the Iceberg here on this Thursday, February 24th of 2022 with shout-outs and call-outs. More of the same. Let's start with shout-outs. I don't know if you have your call-out as of right now. We had that discussion. I'm all set. Yeah, I was about to say, it's been an hour. I would hope you thought of something. But uh, I had something before we started recording. I did end up thinking of something. Yeah. Well, let's start there then. Who are you calling out? I'm calling out the idea of eliminating the handshake line in sports. Mm. I get that these recent college basketball things of coaches just going after other coaches. Mm-hmm. Strange. It's very strange. You you take care of that individual. You don't try and eliminate the entire handshake line. Um, because at the end of the day, especially in these professional sports, these guys are all friends. A lot of them. A lot of them are buddies. Why do you think there's so many jersey swaps in the NFL? Yeah. Why do you think it – I mean, they baseball and hockey don't have handshake lines. Hockey has a, has a special one, which is acceptable. Mm-hmm. But it's always a matter of going over – and 
acknowledging the battle you guys just put on, especially if it was an actual battle. Mm-hmm. It's the sportsmanship aspect of the game. It's part, You eliminate the handshake line from these <clears throat> college sports and professional sports. Then you start getting into the discussion of, well, is do you start eliminating it altogether? Because in like little league and like these small leagues of children no no that was part of the game as a little leaguer it was you you go over and acknowledge and you um i can't think of the correct word for all of this but you go over and you shake your opponent's hands mm-hmm. sportsmanship that's what it is you show your sportsmanship you show your class and hey you know sometimes you don't like doing it i i've gone through many handshake lines that i've not wanted to do mm-hmm. many it, recently at deck hockey these days i'm turning 25 soon and i still don't like hand shake people's hand after a deck hockey game sometimes mm-hmm. but i have to and i will because sportsmanship you don't get rid of that i don't like the idea that people want to get rid of this i'm just it's just a topic that has been floated around a lot recently and i don't know it's part of the game i think for what it's worth baseball not having one is okay just because it's baseball and it's always been you're, you're not in physical contact at all times with these guys in baseball that happens mm-hmm. um hockey doesn't have one but they do at the right time which i really everyone loves a good hockey handshake are we right boys yeah yeah and then basketball and football really is just kind of it's not a line it's not a um an organized thing it's kind of just go out there and whoever you run into especially football because there's so many of them whoever you run to you shake their hands if you know somebody over there you do the jersey swap the coaches have to shake hands this whole thing in college i guess it looks like they do a handshake they do and totally they do which is cool i want to see more of that Mm. i'm not saying i'm not saying line up professional athletes in a single file line but a little bit more cordial Mm -hmm. this whole idea of eliminating it is stupid and you're losing sportsmanship do we not want sportsmanship in the in these games Obviously, this all comes at the heels of Jawan Howard trying to beat the brakes yes, off, I couldn't of, remember uh, his name. off of Wisconsin's assistant coach, who he ended up punch-slapping in the head. It was a weirdly, really weird thing. We saw it, I saw it live when I was at work on uh, on Sunday when that happened. And, of course, of that came up. Should we stop doing the handshake line? I don't care. I really don't. Obviously, the MLB and the NHL... They shake each other's hands. The winning team shakes each other's hands. The losing team, they go down and they're like, all right, we'll try better next time. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with the NFL where it's like, if you want to shake hands with somebody, go shake hands with somebody. If you want to go to the locker room, go to the locker room. NBA does the same thing, but of course there's only 10 people and everybody in the NBA knows everybody in the NBA. So that usually happens. But these lining up and good game, good game, good game. Oh, you had a good game. And in the back of your head... And we've all seen the skits, and I've done the same thing. It's good game. In my head, I'm saying, you're a douche. Good game. I hate you. Good game. You're an asshole. Like, it doesn't really make a difference. Like, do it. Don't do it. I don't care. Obviously, I like it. At the end of NHL series, I think that is one of the things that the NHL obviously has. their tried and true old traditions. That's one of the ones that will not go away and I don't think should go away. But do I care that these college athletes say line up and say good game to each other? No, I don't. Do I think it should still be done? You, you mentioned minor league, minor leagues, meaning like little leagues, high school. Yes. At that point, yes. You need to teach sportsmanship. I agree with that. But once you get to the age of 
18 to 21 to you're in the professional sports now, you're 30 years old. If you can't show sportsmanship, then you're just a crybaby and you just need to, to settle down. Like Jawan Howard, that was ridiculous what he did. He got suspended for the rest of the regular season. I would have kept his ass out the rest of the entire season. I would have been like, you're not coming back till next year. That is some stupid crap, especially because he's supposed to be molding young minds and teaching these guys sportsmanship. But that's just Jawan Howard for you, in my opinion. I, I mean, he's he's kind of always been a little bit more of a, like, I don't know. Like, it was also with Wisconsin coach's fault. I don't want to get into that too much, but the Wisconsin coach also acting like a little, little, you know, pissant. I don't, I don't, I don't understand why those two guys had to go at it like that. Obviously, you know, heated rivalry, stuff like that. But no, when it comes to the handshake lines, I really could give a crap, honestly. And I, I know that I, I like your points that you made. I do, but especially professional sports and college sports, these guys are all old enough to be drafted to the war, which, you know, we won't get into that, but, uh, you know, behave yourself if you think that you can. If you can't, then you're just going to be called out for being a little piss baby. Exactly. And there's always, it's always call outs when it comes to handshake disruptions. I We can remember when, I forget who it was, uh, uh, did the weird handshake with Pat Narduzzi. He like walked away from it. Um, no. I think it was whoever it was, the Red Wings, I think, tried to make a big deal, like a huge deal, more than it needed to be whenever Sidney Crosby skipped out on a handshake line. Um, or, foreshadowing, when uh, Martin Brodeur and Sean Avery didn't shake hands at the end of their series. Mm-hmm. It's There's always discussions about this, though. Yeah. It's always something that we take very seriously still. So the fact that we're trying to get rid of it or like I don't know I don't like that that's just me though it's always a discussion point yeah the only one that I'm going to be worried about is the NHLs and I don't think that's going anywhere so uh yeah that's where we're at um my call out is LeBron James obviously he made the NBA All-Star Weekend all about LeBron James I mean the only person to steal anything spotlight wise from him was how bad the dunk contest was and Steph Curry going absolutely insane, otherworldly on three-pointers during the actual All-Star game. But LeBron tried to make everything about him. Obviously, he returned to Cleveland. He had a lot of things to say. He's talking crap on his own. He actually didn't talk crap on his own general manager, but he praised so many other general managers that it seemed pretty crazy that he said nothing about his own. He's, he's obviously upset about that. Then there's stuff that comes out about the Lakers aren't happy with LeBron James. LeBron James isn't happy. Who cares? It's drama. It's the NBA. But susp- specifically saying, and this was a completely different story, specifically saying, I want my last season to be with my son, Bronny Jr. I looked at that and said, well, this is the most pathetic attempt to improve an individual's draft stock that I've ever seen. But... It's also going to be the most effective attempt to improve somebody's draft stock because not only are you drafting Bronny James, who's like the 30th prospect in his current draft class. He's not top 10. He's not top 15. He's like 30th right now. He's also a junior in high school. So he's not going to be eligible for the NBA draft until 2024 NBA draft. So this is like three years down the road. LeBron is already trying to lay the groundwork to get his kid bumped up in the prospect rankings. But it's going to work because if you get LeBron James's farewell tour with your logo on his chest, that's just grade A marketing for you. So yes, it's effective, but holy crap, is it a pathetic attempt to say, hey, my son 
If you get him, you get me. It's a package deal. That's basically looking at it and saying, I know my kid is shit, but if you draft him, I'll come play for you and you'll get the marketing money. So that that was one of the questions I had whenever I saw that quote is how desperate are teams really in one year? We'll, we'll, we'll see. Now, don't get me wrong. Like you said, Bronny Jr. is 30th. He's, he's, he said something he's in there. the late 20s, early 30s. That could improve. That could drop. Yeah. How committed are teams to what could be one? Who knows what LeBron's skill is at at that point? Well, yeah, he said he wanted That's to play his last season. Doesn't mean he only wanted to play one season. That's what I'm saying. So with like this is a huge, really interesting discussion on sports psychology almost in terms of drafting and team management. Mm -hmm. You have the automatic choice of. You get you take Bronny Jr. No matter where you are in, in that draft, you're gonna get LeBron James as well. Okay, that's fun for a year. What do you do after that year? Yeah, I mean that's assuming if <laughs> that's assuming they win a championship yeah. and move along, and LeBron calls mm-hmm. it. I guess LeBron doesn't need to win one. He could leave after one year if they lose. Yeah. So let's say he. What do you do after that year? You did. Let's say you moved up in the draft to get this. By the way, oh jeez. Let's say you. Let's say you did it first overall. You got LeBron James Whoa. for a year. Now what? Like, what's your future look like? I'm not saying this kid's bad. He could improve. He could be. He could become his again. Father. He's a junior in high school. <laughs> exactly. So much can still change with this. Mm-hmm. But that's gonna be a hell of a study on sports team running mm-hmm. and management. Because what do you do? You have one year of one of the greatest of all time. His final year, so you don't know what his skill is gonna be. But then you get his son for how many years? You want him for. Mm-hmm. I don't know how the NBA contracts work. Could you drop him after that year? Just say that was a fun one year. Now we're I don't back to not after his rookie year. I don't think, but you could obviously trade him. Yeah. So who knows? It's it'll be an interesting little idea. And plus, you have to remember some of these super teams. Let's say in the idea of sports psychology, all these teams pass on him, and he gets to spot thirty. There's only thirty teams mm-hmm. in the NBA. He gets to spot thirty, the team that just won the championship just won the nba finals oh that gets interesting that because that's where and right now, now that's where he's at yep well <sighs> I, you figure with that it's not it's it won't last a middling team will do it a middling team will take that on mm-hmm. for sure be like hey we got one good year in there where were we going anyway mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. they'll take that and take their chances on brawny and then say rebuild for the draft year after that we'll go from there they got their one good year in with like you mentioned a lot of media coverage mm-hmm. a lot of marketing yeah. money marketing money. coming thank in. you yeah you've got a lot of that but if, if ronnie's sitting around by the time let's say the warriors get to him oh you take that no. if you're the warriors or a built team like that you take that you do you do if you're a built super team like that like the warriors the nets well the warriors i think the sixers are trying to build their team now if you if you are a super team strapped to the ass with talent, you take that. Doesn't always work though. No, it doesn't. Look at Russell Westbrook and LeBron James in LA right now. You're right. It doesn't always work. But you know what you do? You say this is something new. You get all the media coverage. You say, guess who we have here? Let's use my Warriors example. You got Curry. You have. I can't remember who's on that team. Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins. You know what? We're throwing on LeBron James and his son. 
Tickets are now $3,000 a piece for the nosebleeds, and they're going to sell. Yeah. They've, they've, they've done it. And guess what? They're raising a banner game one. Yeah. <laughs> because, oh, yeah, if they, let's say they won a championship. They're raising a banner game one, and now welcome, LeBron James and his son. Let's raise another banner next year. If, if the very, very stacked good teams take that, I say. The middling teams probably take it first. Those teams that are building for a future, questionable. It's going to be a hell of a study on sports psychology, and we talked way too long about yeah, this. And I, I talked way too long about I, I this. Do, I took this over. I do want to say one last <laughs> thing before we move on. History does show that after LeBron James leaves your team, you're shit for a while. I mean, he left Miami. They were bad. He left Cleveland both times, and they were bad. This will actually be, as it looks like it's going to be, barring anything ridiculous happening for either team, this is going to be the first time that the Cleveland Cavaliers will finish with a better record than a LeBron James team. When he's not there, obviously. So, the Cleveland Cavaliers right now are in the top five in the East. The LA Lakers right now are in a play-in spot. So, again, if you want to take that on, you're most certainly saying that once he leaves, we're going to be shit. So, we'll see. It all depends on... Unless his son is really good. Yeah, correct. Unless his son ends up being really good, which we, we don't know because he's only a junior in high school. He's, what, 17 years old? So... Uh, let's move over to our shout-outs. Mine's going to be really quick because I already talked about him a little bit, so I'll start off. Uh, I'm shouting out Jack Eichel. Returns from artificial disc replacement surgery last week. Has one goal, two assists, and three games played. I've always been a big guy that likes Jack Eichel. I was always sad that he played for the Sabres because it's so hard to watch Sabres games even when he was lighting it up for them. But now that he's on the Vegas Golden Knights, now that he's on the NHL's version of a super team once Mark Stone comes off of LTIR in the first game of the playoffs. I'm excited to see where that team can go. I'm excited to watch Jack Eichel the rest of the season, and I'm very excited to, for the first time in history, see what playoff Jack Eichel is going to be like. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be fantastic theater, and I think it's going to lead them to the Stanley Cup Finals. That's where I'm at with them. It sure will be a hell of a thing to watch, without doubt. Could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Playoff Jack Eichel, something we've never seen before. Exactly. That's all I have on that. I like it. it it'll, <laughs> it'll put some... It'll. You know what? That's primetime ESPN stuff. Mm-hmm. Assuming ESPN knows who Jack Eichel is. They do. Butcher Gross knows. Good. Butchie knows. And that's primetime stuff to really watch out for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they'll do it, but you know what? That's a hell of some marketing money, if you yeah, will. Yeah, for sure. So send us home, Horwat. You want to talk about more marketing money, I guess. I do want to shout out the ECHL for just being a tub of fun this year. Yeah. No, let's. I don't think we talked about it at, at length or at nausea, but they, the Florida Everblades had Trevor Daly on their team for a couple of games. COVID situations called for it. But Trevor Daly, who was an active and still is an active front office man with the Pittsburgh Penguins, mm-hmm. signed with the ECHL Florida Everblades to play a couple of games. That's fun. I don't know which team it was, but an ECHL team reached out to uh, Marie-Philippe Poulin for a contract mm. to play. Mm. That's, first of all, hell yeah, smart move by that team. Smarter move by her to turn it down and say, help me grow the game. Yeah. Love that. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to toss in Sean Avery <laughs> to the Orlando Sun Bears because that's just so damn fun. Mm-hmm. It is. He, he's a pest. Yes. I don't. I haven't found a reasoning for it. Because why not? You know what you did. 
I think it was him. I think he came to them or something. I don't. I don't know the. I I looked for details, couldn't find any. Mm-hmm. Haven't relooked for any. But how fun is that? Just to have Sean Avery on your team, and oh yeah, did you see Matthew Barnaby? Yeah. Too could be joint not joining him, but could be, you know, in the same division. Give me every second of that. He's already tweeted. Matthew Barnum's already tweeted out the picture of his old uh, shoulder pads. Has already said if if uh, Sean Avery signs, I will be in the same division. Mm-hmm. The <laughs> the ECHL is already a jungle. Mm-hmm. Now you're adding Sean Avery. Matthew Barnaby, suddenly the AHL doesn't matter. This is Masiaki. <laughs> yeah. Where's Biz Nasty? Oh, by the way. Biz Nasty to the Florida Everblades, question mark? The, the Everblades did tweet at Barnaby that, um, what is it? How how soon can you get to Estero? <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other teams. I think the Atlanta Gladiators are in that division, too. The Jacksonville Icemen, I would imagine. The Icemen are in there. That could be a ton of fun. Yeah. That could be so much fun. It's already a jungle. You add those two. The ECHL has gotten so much good press. Yeah. Well, not all season long. They've had some bad press too, but uh, they're trying to straighten themselves out. So this is the I stuff think, that's I think fun. they're doing it in a pretty okay way. By the way, the Orlando Sun Bears, while Avery was not in that lineup, last I saw we're losing five to nothing. So <laughs> so they're bad uh, too. Last night, the, the day after they made that sign, or the day they made that signing. Uh, so... They're not a good team, but most teams in the E aren't. Um, but that could be so much fun. Once he starts playing mm-hmm. at the age of 41, Sean Avery. Well, maybe Armour Yager goes over and plays. No. <laughs> at the age of 50. There's n- there's no way there's not a team thinking about uh, it. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to play wherever he damn well plays. Honestly, he, he'll probably play in the NHL again for like the last 20 games of the season or even just a playoff run. I'm sure some team would be like, yeah, sure, maybe. Who knows? But uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Been a little bit of a long one, but like we said, we had such a short episode on Monday that we wanted to treat the listeners to a nice long one here on this Thursday. Penguins at Devils coming up tonight. We'll watch all three of the games in the next four days, and we'll be back on Monday to review the Pittsburgh Penguins weekend. That's going to do it for this one. Have a good weekend, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.